It is Thursday, February 15th, 2024. This is another edition of Baseball Today. That is not my man, Trevor Ploof. That is the dude at John Boy Media, Jolly Olive. I am Chris Rose, producer Dan, along for the ride as well. You know, we're battling like a lot of the 30 clubs out there as they officially start spring training. Everybody's just trying to make it through healthy, and apparently Ploof's a little under the weather. We okay? You got a late call, huh? Yeah, a little bit. A little under the wire, but anything for my good pal, Trevor Ploof. Hopefully it wasn't valentine's day related i'm hoping that you know nothing's going on with the whole household he can just keep it contained but i'm feeling good i'm happy to be here i'm happy to be live with you yes Rose. yeah that's a big deal your first time live on baseball yeah. today which is really cool once again we're for our audience that is joining us live pretty soon we're going to be going five days a week which we're super excited about and then we're going to start to work you guys in we're still working through a few bugs and stuff producer dan's been working his butt off on this whole mm. thing so uh, let's get it going with some bad news for the reigning AL East champion Baltimore Orioles. They got the triple whammy on the injury front. Uh, Kyle Bradish sprained UCL. They're hopeful they'll have him at some point in 2024, but he's going to miss the start of the season. Same with their left-hander, John Means, who, of course, bounced back from Tommy John's surgery uh, a season ago, but he's been a little delayed in his throwing program, so he's about a month behind. And then your reigning AL Rookie of the Year, Gunnar Henderson, he's got an oblique issue. Mm. Those things can be tricky, although their GM, Mike Elias, said we don't think that's going to affect his start for opening day. But let's talk about Kyle Bradish, who's a guy who finished fourth last year in the Cy Young Award, really kind of had this breakthrough season. And now they're hoping he'll be around for 2024, but they don't know how big a blow could this be to the O's. I mean, it's huge. I mean, Bradish had the second or I think first best ERA in the American League in the second half. Um, so it's it's a massive blow for the Orioles. This was their ace before Burns came around. It does make the Burns trade look all the more important and all the more better because if the Orioles are in a situation where the Bradish injury hits and also the Means injury, and then they try to make this trade, I think teams can sense that desperation a little bit. Maybe the price would have been more to get someone like Corbin Burns. So on that front, I think the Orioles did okay. But yeah, a partial tear of the UCL. Bradish is going to try and pitch through it. We've seen this work out. We've also seen it work out not so much in the past. So the UCL is a very serious thing. Hopefully Bradish can make a speedy recovery, and hopefully he can be a part of the early first half of this 2014 because last year not a lot went wrong for the Orioles outside of Felix Bautista very early in this year. We're already seeing things not going their way. So that's just the course of a baseball season, the course of 162. And hopefully this is where the injury bug stops biting them for the spring, but who knows? So let's talk about where they are right now without Bradish and without means. They've got Burns. They've got Dean Kramer. They've got Grayson Rodriguez. They got Tyler Wells and probably Cole Irvin, who is a guy who was up and down after his, uh, you know, his trade last year from Oakland. Now they have, arguably the deepest farm system in baseball they've got five of the top 32 prospects but jolly none of those guys are pitchers mm. right <laughs> they already graduated grayson rodriguez to the big leagues but when you've got that much down on the farm what does that allow you to do it allows you to potentially make another blockbuster trade are the orioles there yet I don't know because I do still like the pitching on paper. Obviously, Corbin Burns is still there. Grayson Rodriguez, we saw flashes of that brilliance later in the season for him. I think he can put that together over a full season. 
Tyler Wells led the league in whip for a large portion of 2023 as well. Like there are pieces here, but it's not as full as it was with Bradish and means in there. So I totally get where you're coming from. I wouldn't be surprised if the Orioles do pull off another trade, maybe not to the magnitude of Corbin Burns. Like I don't see them making a play for Dylan Cease this late in the game, but I do think there is a pitcher to be added here because as every team knows, you can never have enough starting pitching in a full 162 game season. And the Orioles don't really want to start the season thin, if I had to guess. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. You need probably seven starting pitchers that you feel good enough to at least put out there. I mean, the seventh guy, you're sometimes you're crossing your fingers when he gets out there. But there yeah. are some teams who are like, man, if we get to, when we get the number four, we're not feeling all that good. But when you're a contender and a team that's coming off of a 100-win season and expects to contend for the AL East crown, the, the problem is here is that the division is so good and it's so deep, right? You could make an argument for probably any of the top four teams to win the division. Sorry, Boston, I'm going to put you in a separate category. But the rest of the teams are really deep and really good. And if one of those four teams wins the AL East, you're not going to be like, oh, my God, they won the division. So then you start to fight it out numbers-wise for other teams in a wild card spot. It's just I don't know how long they can wait on a guy like Kyle Bradish before they have to pull a trigger. Like I wouldn't want to wait until mid or late July to figure this thing out. I think you got to put about a two month timetable on it. And by early June, if you're not seeing the progress that you want, then you got to pull the trigger. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I know, I know it's in a different vein because it was for a hitter, but this situation kind of makes me uh, think of the 2021 Brewers who got two months into the season, saw the anemic state of their offense and decided, Hey, you know what? We're going to do an early trade like it's not we don't have to wait until the deadline. They went out, they got Willie Adamas and they were great for the rest of the season. The Orioles might be in that situation. I think you have to look at your roster and maybe trust what you have on paper. But yeah, if you get to the end of May and that deficit in the division has grown to four five, six games, it becomes go mode. Yeah, I'm not sure that you're going to be this on paper 100 win team again if you don't have the starting pitch to back it up. And the AL East is weird because you have a team like the Blue Jays who thrives on their rotation. And then you have a team like the Orioles who's going to beat you down and maybe score seven runs a game. They're going to beat you in different ways, all these teams. So I'm very curious to see where the Orioles land with their starting pitching. But all it does is really emphasize the importance of Corbin Burns in his contract year. It was already an important year for him. It becomes more so now because the Orioles are going to be leaning on him even more than they were, you know, this time yesterday. All right, let's move on to the team whose hat I am donning today. That would be the Texas Rangers as the champs reported for duty this week. That is the first time I can ever say that about the team from Arlington, Texas. Uh, their GM, Chris Young, he loves the makeup of this squad. This group doesn't have to be anything more than what they have been. Um, it's an extremely talented group. It's a great group of guys that, that love each other, that play the game the right way. Um, and... Whether we're underdogs or whether we're um, there, there are more expectations this year, I don't think that matters. All right, Texas is about to have its highest payroll ever in club history. But in your opinion, Jolly, did it do enough to give itself the best chance of repeating here? Yeah, it's an interesting question because you obviously can't doubt them. They just won the World Series and they still have this world-beating lineup that they're going to add to in their own prospect pool. We have yet to see... Uh, the greatness that Evan Carter can be. We only got him for, I think, 24 regular season games. Wyatt Langford, 
sprung to the top of the prospect list. He's slated to make the team as well. It's the pitching that I think can raise an eyebrow or so because you have Nate Evaldi and John Gray currently as their one and two. And then the rotation, in my opinion, does thin out a little bit after that. It goes Heaney, Dane Dunning, and Cody Bradford. Obviously, if you're a Rangers fan, you're thinking, well, we could really use Jordan Montgomery. He was just with us. I'm sure he'd love to come back. But I think the Rangers have come out and said that they're pretty much done adding to this roster. This is going to be it. So I don't necessarily think the Rangers are going to take a step back. This is still very much a playoff team, in my opinion. But it's hard. We just had this conversation with the Orioles. It's going to be hard to go through a full 162 if you can't feel confident in your starting pitching day in and day out. So they're going to need younger guys to step up. They need a step from Dane Dunning. I think he has that in him, but I don't know. It does have me feeling a little bit uneasy as a third party fan. You know, Dane Dunning actually pitched really well in the first half of the year. We were all like, that's the same Dane Dunning, right? Yeah. And then I thought to myself, well, how many guys are named Dane Dunning in baseball? So yeah, of course it's the same Dane Dunning and yeah. moron. Um, right. They are basically trying to work their way through this thing and say, we're making, we've already made three mid-season trades. We just don't know when they're going to get here, right? Max right. Scherzer coming off this back surgery. They're thinking June. They're keeping their fingers crossed for June. Molly, we don't know how he's coming along in his Tommy John surgery and DeGrom. Hopeful for early August. I mean, that's great. You get all three of those dudes. The question is, where is this team going to be then? The AL West obviously does not have nearly the depth uh, that the AL East has, but it does have Houston, which I think has played now in 17 straight ALCSs or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Seattle, which will always be interesting. And then you got two other teams, which I think are still trying to figure it out. But once again, you're not just fighting it out in your division. You're fighting it out against those four other monsters from the AL East. And who knows? Who else can give Minnesota a run in the Central? Maybe some team can surprise and and fight for a wild card there. I don't know. Um, the Rangers, as good as they were the first four months of the year, they almost missed out on the playoffs. Right. You know, I think Seattle finished two games behind them or something like that. Wasn't that right? I mean, it was uh, the AOS was hot potatoed last season. The Mariners right. had control in, I think, August. Houston seized it on the last day of the season. And... Yeah, I mean, the regular season, we're not going to act like it doesn't matter, but the Rangers got to the dance, they finished the dance, they got the job done. I'll be honest, I picked them to be a wild card exit. I, I had the raise over them, but anything can happen in that gauntlet of October baseball, but it's exactly what you said. Where are you going to be when the time comes when you get these pitchers back? If you slot in DeGrom, Scherzer, and Molly into this rotation right now, I'm full on Rangers might be repeating the World Series because that's an impressive one through five, but you're not going to have all these guys for even half of the season. So they're going to have to find some patchwork somewhere, whether it's in the free agent market or in their own depth. I'm really curious to see how their own depth pans out because they do have a lot of exciting young players. But in my opinion, it's kind of similar to the Orioles. I feel like a lot of those players are position players. I'm really excited for Langford and Evan Carter. I don't know much about the Rangers pitching prospect depth outside of Jack Leiter or Kumar Rocker. And I don't know if they're going to be ready this season. Yeah. I mean, and, uh, and Chris Young came out yesterday and said, I don't, think we're going to be adding any other faces right. which means that Jordan Montgomery is is moving on somewhere else and they're not going to be in the running for a guy like Blake Snell so if it's somebody down the road here it could be a one-year deal for a veteran that could give him some innings I don't know I, I think it's risky at best I think they've been playing behind the whole Valley sports thing you know that we don't know what our revenue is going to be from our local TV deal I get it you don't know that but you also just want 
Now, it's hard to take shots at a franchise which just spent a half a billion dollars right. on infield. Right. Brought in Jacob DeGrom for nearly $200 million. They're getting a deal financially on Max Scherzer because the Mets are eating such a significant portion of that trade. But they have done a lot in recent years. So it's hard for me to take a shot at them, unlike maybe some other clubs. Yeah. Uh, okay. So today's episode, by the way, is sponsored by SeatGeek. If you have no idea what SeatGeek is, where you been, man? They are the number one ticketing app. It makes buying tickets super simple. More than 28 million downloads. That's not the only thing that makes them the number one rated ticketing app. First of all, you shuffle through this thing when you download it on your phone or your computer, whatever you need. There are more than 70,000 events every single day available on SeatGeek. So that includes sporting events, concerts, festivals, and oh, so much more. But they want to take care of you. The thing I love is they provide the green dot. You've seen that green dot. You're going to look at it and you're going to say, okay, well, those aren't floor seats. So these can't be the best seats in the house. No, but it is the best deal in the house. That means it is a good deal for you. You see a red dot? Even if you think it's a great seat, it might not be the best deal. So SeatGeek is looking out for you. Also, every ticket is backed by a buyer guarantee. And SeatGeek is the only site that lets you return your tickets ahead of the event with swaps for future dates. And we got the hookup here. You use the code TODAY, that is T-O-D-A-Y. 20 bucks off your first purchase at SeatGeek. That is $20 off your first purchase with the promo code today. Click on the link in the description. Download your app today. Go have some fun. I know I just use SeatGeek to purchase some tickets for this weekend for a little college hoops. So you nice. can follow in my footsteps and maybe sit next to me. Nice. Oh, yeah, I'll tag along. I'll go cross country. It'll be easy. Yeah. Well, mid, we're going midway. Through. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah, it's not all that. For much. me, right? Yeah. All right, so we continue on. We're going to stay in the AL West and a little bit more injury news, um, at least in the rotation for the Houston Astros. We're also going to focus on their pen. Justin Verlander, he's a little bit behind schedule. He's got a bit of a bulky shoulder. He's just calling it a hiccup at this point, and so he's going to kind of slow his rollout, if you will. Uh, in the meantime, rookie manager Joe Espada has made it official regarding the closer's role. Ryan Presley will primarily be the setup guy. That means their new almost $100 million closer, Josh Hader, will officially pitch the ninth inning. I think ultimately in the game of baseball, uh, roles are very important. Uh, we have routines as, as baseball players, and you know when you're able to get into that routine and, and knowing exactly what you, what you have to accomplish, um, it makes the whole outcome of, of baseball games uh, better. You perform uh, better because you know what, you're, what you have to do to accomplish that. All right, what's the bigger pitching story with the Astros right now? The injury to Verlander and also J.P. France is a little bit behind or the bullpen? I think it's the bullpen, but in a positive note, because Presley, I felt like it was implied that he was going to take a step aside, even though he has been so great for the Astros, because Josh Hader does have that resume. He does have the contract to go with it. It does make sense that he'd be getting those save opportunities. Uh, on the Verlander front, Mets fan here, I bore witness to him early last season, missing part of April with a Terrace major strain. He came back. He was still Justin Verlander. I expect that from him until the end of his career, which who knows? He may pitch until he's Jamie Moyer age at this point. Uh, so I expect that he's going to be fine and lead the rotation once he comes back fully healthy. They got to take their time with them because, you know, age does play a factor into that. So the bullpen standing out to me because I think that this is the, the real key for the Astros reclaiming, or I guess they did win the AOS last year. I always forget, but uh, repeating as AOS champions, Hater, Presley, Brian Abreu, who was 
one right. of the best relievers in baseball last year. And then Rafael Montero, who they paid money to and expected to be great, took a step back in 2023, but still could be the guy he was before that. That's lethal, man. I mean, if, you, if you're trailing in the sixth inning, you're probably losing to the Houston Astros. Uh, so if I'm Ryan Presley, it might be a tough pill to swallow, but I got to be thinking in the back of my head, well, this is going to make the team better. So why not be a part of it? Yeah, the Verlander stuff, um, shoulders always scare me a little bit. Sure. Particularly when you're 41 years old, like I could barely lift my arm above this and I haven't thrown, you know, major league great. for 12. Yeah, really. I feel <laughs> fantastic. Absolutely. I mean, just wait, just wait till you see me in the next warehouse. No game. pain oh, in the eyes whatsoever. You look good. Yeah, I've been off season training. I feel great. <laughs> oh, God. That's horrible. Lifting. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, they do have tremendous depth. I know that McCullers and Garcia are going to start the year on the shelf. They're going to work their way back at some point. You know, you always forget they have Jose Urquidy. Like, he is the perfect – he is the dude when you open up the tools, like, in your shed, and you're like, oh, my God, I forgot I had that. That's the thing that can help me fix anything in the house. Right. By the way, I I can't even tell you the last time I fixed anything. I mean, you're I, not a Mister Fixing. You're not a handy oh guy. Oh my god, the worst. The worst. I start breaking out into like the meat sweats if I have to use my electric screw. That's very Hollywood of you, Chris Rose. Pay someone it's else. Not to Hollywood. Do. It's just basically, <laughs> I, you know, I, that's in my DNA. We're not blaming that on where I live. That <laughs> is, you fair. know, you would think Cleveland, born and bred, tough guy can fix anything. No, I don't have that in me either. Mm -hmm. uh, but Jose Urquidy is that guy. He can fix anything. Um. I will say this that has been very interesting about the pen. We keep hearing that, you know, Espada had the meeting with both Hader and Presley, and they kept him uh, up to date on the phone when they were in negotiations with Hader. You know who the one guy we haven't heard from yet on this whole situation? Who? Ryan Presley. Yeah. <laughs> when the news broke at Astros Fan Fest, he was the one, I think they had 17 players there. He was the one guy who didn't talk to the media. And I, I didn't begrudge him for it. It had just happened. He was probably dealing with it, trying to figure out what this means. Well, now he's had a few weeks. And yesterday, when they talked to Hader and they talked to Espada, Presley left early. Mm. So the media, now they're going to meet, they're going to talk to him at some point. I'm not saying he's dodging the media. All I'm saying is we haven't heard it out of his mouth that, hey, yeah, I'm 100% good with it. And I want to see how it's being said, too. I want to see his face because... Not that this could blow up in their face, but at some point, Josh Hader might struggle. Remember when he struggled right before he got traded from the Brewers? Remember that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. If that happens here, you've got a dude who has helped them win a World Series, who has been incredible. I think he's gone like 20 straight playoff appearances without giving up an earned run. Like, he he's just not a guy that you're shoving aside. You're like, okay, we'll just move on. He has been legitimately great at times. Yeah, I mean, there's. I think there's two points to be made here. One, contributing to the Brewers' point you made before, when he got traded to the Padres, he was even worse. His ERA was three runs higher after the trade. He was just so sensational last year that I think you kind of write that off as a blip. Uh, as for Presley, since Game 4 of the 2021 ALCS against Boston, he has pitched 22 and a third innings, uh -huh. one unearned run, 33 punch outs to seven walks. And that is a guy that you're going up to and saying, Hey man, we found someone to replace you. Take a step back. I understand it. I, I, I I'm with you there where you're saying you understand why he took a step back at fan fest. The longer 
it gets, you know, dodged, whatever narrative you want to spin out of it. The harsher the questioning, I think, will be, the more eyes will be on that interview. So I am with you in the fact that I'm, I'm curious to see how exactly he phrases it, how he takes it, how the clubhouse dynamic will work. But yeah, Houston is essentially giving themselves a very lucrative option in Hater. But if things don't go according to plan, because we've seen a ton of expensive reliever contracts not work out, they have a guy in Ryan Presley that they can say, hey, sorry, I think we messed up. The, the closer role is your role. And if it comes down to October pitching too, I mean, Hader has a good resume here as well, just not as spotless as Ryan Presley. Yeah, I think he's uh, I think he's had 16 postseason appearances. He's allowed runs in only two of them. One was in that. Uh, that it was the Grisham start. play, right? Yeah, which... the Grisham play. And the other one was the Freddie Freeman home run. Exactly. But yep. it was in Milwaukee. So yep. he's done great too. I just want to hear from Ryan Presley and I want to see him. I want yep. to see his facial expressions the whole bit. All right. Uh, in the meantime, it sounds like the Phillies and Zach Wheeler are working toward an extension. Here is the right-hander. It's not all about the money to me either. Um, you know, it took less to come here and uh, be in a good spot and be happy and my family be happy. So I, don't know, I, I do want what I feel like I've earned, I guess you could say. But at the same time, um, you don't always get that. So. Okay, so he is about to be 34 coming up in the spring. Mm-hmm. Extension sounds great until you're paying a guy who's 37 somewhere down the road and now he can't eat innings for you and all that sort of stuff. Should the Phillies just let his contract play out and try and go younger instead? I don't know, man. I mean, they've they've cultivated this wonder having to compete with the likes of Corbin Burns or Max Fried or anybody else that's going to be on that market. So I think they're in a weird spot right now. It could be a midseason thing because Philly has proven they're not afraid to spend money in any capacity to keep this group together. I just don't know where that number lands because I do think Wheeler deserves a big time contract for how he's pitched these past three years. If we're going on postseason resume, once again, he's been great in the playoffs for them as well. Uh, so it's in an odd spot. But if I'm Philly, I think I'm going to do whatever I can in my own range to keep Wheeler and Nola together because that is the best one two they've had since those World Series teams in the 2000s with Hamels and Halliday and Lee. So that's. My, I think that's prerogative number one because this offense is already sewn up for the next three or so years. He said um, in that little media session that I want to get paid for what I've done. Mm. That's an it's an alarming phrase, I think, for front offices. Yeah, and it's got to be a cautionary tale because that's where teams get in trouble is when you pay for what guys have done. There's that balancing act, right? Because if you're paying for the future and what you think a guy can do and you haven't seen it entirely, but I got to tell you, that's what Philly kind of did the first time with Zach Wheeler. They gave him $118 million. What was most Mets fans' reaction when they did that? I think now, most Mets fans thought it was an overpay and in right. retrospect, we're thinking, oh, man, we feel stupid for not doing that. Not only that, he's totally outperformed this contract. Exactly. And since 2018... He has been as dependable an every five-day guy as there is in the bigs. I think since 2018, he's missed maybe like 10 starts that he could have made over that stretch, and that's about it. And on top of that, you mentioned it. When he gets to the playoffs, he's even a different animal. He'll give you six innings at least a playoff start. When we're going two times through an order and everybody's getting burned in the bullpen, this is the guy you can rely on to not only keep you in a game, but win you a game as well. And so, yeah, I would be well, if I were Philly, I would definitely go three years. I could be talked into a fourth. A fifth would scare me, but that's kind of where I would land. And I do think that he deserves 
listen, he's dependable. So I'm I'm giving him cash. Yeah, I have a I have one comparison that I want to make that I think will put it in a good scope too. Um, last year, Wheeler pitched in his age 33 season. He had a 3.6 ERA, made 32 starts, overturned to strikeouts, was very good. Chris Bassett last season, very similar, 3.6 ERA, 33 starts, 200 innings. Bassett signed for three years and $60 million with the Blue Jays, which at the time I thought was a steal. And I think he's going to continue pitching to that level, maybe even above so. So if you're Philly, is that the number you have in mind? Because in my original thought process, I was like, well, Wheeler might get four to five years. So I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe three years is the sweet spot. Is that going to be enough for an extension for Wheeler? Personally, I don't think so. And I think he would be able to get more in the free agent market, which leads me to believe this extension might not happen. I don't know. It'll be interesting. All right, one more thing before we get out of here. The Nats have a very, very clever sign. I think it's a Mike Rizzo quote if I'm reading this thing the right way. It says, in the bullpen, I don't care how hard you throw ball four. Uh, who is that guy that could bring the heat, but you were like, I don't think like he nuke Lelouch that thing. I don't think he knows exactly where it's going. It's going to hit the bull. I mean... <sighs> First off, the quote is tough, especially for newer baseball fans, because basically every reply to that tweet I saw was, well, yeah, if you're throwing your 3-0 pitch at 81 in the middle of the zone, it's just going to get tattooed, in which case a walk is probably better in that case. Um, as for a guy that was throwing cheese but couldn't find the zone, I mean, there's tons of Mets guys in recent memory that were throwing mm -hmm. cheese, even though last year we had no one who threw 100 miles per hour. Um, I'll go with Jake's sneaky love this reliever guy, uh, Bryce Montes de Oca, who's currently injured. That guy has some wicked nasty stuff, just could not get it over the plates. So every time I watched him, and it was just kind of with a with a hopeful heart that he'd be able to find the zone. But it's 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 tougher said, it's easier said than done, excuse me. So hopefully some Nats pitchers can harness that strength. Um, but I I don't know if I agree with the message of the sign. I laughed, I chuckled at it yeah. a little bit. Um, so there's two guys that come to mind for me. Mm. One was Mark Wohlers, who was on the mound when the Rams won yeah. their first World Series crown in 1995 against my then Cleveland Indians. Uh, he was a dominant closer in the mid 90s and then unfortunately could not find the catcher's mitt. I mean, it literally cost him his career. He could not. Oh, it was horrible. 1998. How about these numbers? 20 and a third innings. His ERA was over 10, oh. walked 33 batters in those 20 and a third innings and fired seven wild pitches. Speaking of wild pitches, Rick Ankeel against yep. the Atlanta Braves. Yep. Five wild pitches in a divisional round series. Uh, I think it was right around 2000 or 2001. Eventually became an outfielder and made it back. And it is an amazing story. I think he even wrote a book about it. But I mean, just those are two guys in particular who, I mean, it was it was much more than a physical thing. It was an, a mental battle that they had to get through. And I hate, I hate even bringing them up, but man. Good answers. It's tough, 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 tough. All right, dude. Um, I'm sure we'll see you at some other point here on Baseball Today. We always appreciate your insight. You're always so well prepared and thorough, and everybody loves hearing from you. What else you got going these days? I know that, you know, Shea Station is back, which is great. Yeah, we haven't talked since then. Shea Station is back. We're doing an episode every two weeks in the offseason. We'll be going weekly during the season. Uh, jam baseball stuff right here on this channel uh, every weekday. 
Charlie, all of all that good stuff. Great. Uh, latest episode of the Rose Rotation is out with uh, Giants hurler Logan Webb. Nice. He was great on it. We just recorded an episode with Austin Hedges. That'll come out next week. He has got an amazing story about the date. It might be the best call-up story I've ever heard. Mm, nice. How he found out. And it was a current major league manager that was his minor league skipper at the time who gave him the call and got him good. I'm racking my brain. Yeah, it's really, really good stuff. So you'll tune into that next week. And we will be back on baseball today. We're going to try for Monday. We know it's a holiday, but we're going to give it a shot. We just hope that Ploofy feels a little bit better. So for our one-of-a-kind producer, Dan Rourke, and our MVP here at the John Boy Media, Jolly Olive, I am Chris Rose. We will see you next time here on Baseball Today.